0: Hello and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Hi everybody, I'm Roman. Today it's Friday, May 31st, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in the Mission District. (sighs) We're in San Francisco. And there goes the microphone. We're on Ohlone land and... I would like for folks to, if you haven't already, to please check out the Shumi land tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I land tax, and that will take you to the Trust.com. and that's a way where folks can give back to the land that we're on, uh, especially for folks who live in the East Bay, so please do check that out. Oh, we've got a show coming up for folks today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Perhaps it's your first time. Perhaps you've listened before. I do appreciate folks listening in and the folks who make this show possible. Oftentimes I start off the show with a rant and there's a lot to get to. And I also wanted to prepare a lot of action items because I feel a lot of despair and anger and frustration and pretty much have been. been doing the show now since 2013 and there's always been things to be outraged about. And one thing that takes a little bit of that anxiety off is action. And there are a lot of ways that folks can uh, show support and can show up for, for folks. So uh, I know we all have different abilities and different energy levels and access to different resources. So I like to provide different options for folks. Um, and also spreading the word and spreading information and correct information, I think is really crucial, especially now there's more and more attacks on journalists and even in, you know, mainstream, uh, mainstream corporate media has always been an issue and a problem in a lot of ways. And also it's difficult finding out what's actually happening. So, uh, it's important for folks who do know what's happening to, to spread the word and to have conversations with each other. And one important lesson I learned doing there was a there's been many, thankfully, here in the Bay Area trainings on how not to call the police and other options to instead of calling police. And one thing, one really important tool that folks can have is to get to know your neighbors and get to know the people that you live near and and next to. And the more we get to rely on one another and we know each other the less reliance there will be on the state, especially if there is a dispute of some sort, if there's ways that as communities we can handle things. And I know that's easier said than done. Conflict resolution and de-escalation can take training and time and effort and energy. If we're able to put our time and energy into handling it ourselves instead of calling police, there will be a lot less violence for everybody to experience. So that's one, one note I wanted to add. There's a lot of things to get to. And I should just I made a list. Oftentimes I don't quite prepare for the show as much as I would like. I did sit down yesterday and made a, a long list of things. So we'll see what we can get to. This includes news stories as well as action items. I'll start with the action items because why not to take action? And we'll see how far down the list we get. There's a lot to get to, uh, which is good, I guess. And also it's a news show, and the positive things here are when bad things are prevented from happening. Question mark, but it's true though. I uh, just read a story, or I saw the headline, I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but there was a judge in Missouri, and Missouri was looking to become in a state where there would be no access to legal abortion. Uh, and apparently a judge has blocked that, for now at least. And we're seeing a continuing attack on reproductive rights, and that's fucking disgusting, and I have a lot of words. And you can listen to previous episodes where I go maybe more into detail about my feelings of anger about people who pass these these bills. And also just a note that they're in Louisiana recently, the governor who's a Democrat signed it into law. And there was another governor, I believe in Alabama, who also signed it into law and is a woman. So it's also just a reminder, I think that's one thing I wanted to get to, is that the idea of just, oh, we we'll are only vote for Democrats, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be good for everybody we should really look at people's policies and same with voting women into office you should again be looking at people's policies (sighs) okay however i'm here to deliver it's not really happy I feel like I want to be, you know, there's shouting warning signs, warning, warning, Uh, (laughs) lots of things to be afraid of. And I don't want to cause more fear and anxiety. And I know like a lot of folks are already feeling that fear and anxiety. I myself am one of them and also providing tools that we can do to fight back because there are more of us than there are of them. And it's just a matter of us showing up and being organized. And I know it's difficult due to exhaustion and the constant bombardment of (sighs) It seems like there's never a chance to even acknowledge what's happening because the next attack is, is happening. If it's not by the state, then by followers of uh, just this fascistic regime who wish to attack people for merely existing in the world. So what can we do? Okay, enough talking. Let's get on to positive things that people can do. So one thing I read a little bit last last week Super depressed. Still am depressed. However, a a little bit more of an uplift this week, I think. I hope. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see how I feel at the end of the show. So, So the administration, current administration, was looking to start with, not even start, but really to erase a lot of protections for trans folks. Um, including folks seeking shelter, which has already been an issue, because many trans folks are discriminated against to begin with from accessing shelter. And also, just a note, a statistic is that 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ, many of whom have been kicked out of their homes. So it's really important that folks get shelter, obviously, and this new law would make it so shelters can prohibit against trans folks, which it already does, but this would would kind of give them permission to do so, which is fucking disgusting, and super gross okay but the positive th- no, it's not okay what okay the action item there we go i think this whole thing is that folks can come together and can show up so one way that folks can show up first of all if you know trans folks um show up for us help us out um also have conversations with your cis friends who might be problematic and transphobic because it's fucking exhausting for us to have to constantly remind people that we're human it really fucking sucks and i think that's something that most marginalized groups have to experience a, on a daily basis is having to convince other people that we are human and we deserve rights and we deserve to exist in this world. So, folks, if you're not part of a marginalized group and you feel you hear that this group is being attacked, especially if like a friend or family member or someone that you're in contact with is saying disparaging things, it's your job to go to to, to correct them. Okay, so <laughs> a place that folks can go online, that is, because online, I guess, is a place now, which is a whole other conversation we can have at some point, just the reliance on technology, and uh, it's complicated. However, if you have internet access, please go to protecttranshealth.org, and that will send you to a link on the Transgender Law Center site, and it says, make your voice heard, tell the Trump administration that no one deserves to be denied access to care. Oh, I would not even get to that part. Yeah, so they also want to deny us care, uh, healthcare, even though a lot of folks already don't get affirming or adequate health care, this would also make it legal for folks to discriminate against trans folks seeking health care of any kind. So, if you're as outraged about this as I am, and I would hope that you would be, you can check out this website. Go to protecttranshealth.org. It says, make your voice be heard. You can tell the administration that no one deserves to be denied access to care because of who they are. And there's a form that you can fill out with your name, email, and your comments. They also have a form letter or not a form letter, but they have tips as to um, how you can fill out this comment section if you're unsure of what to say exactly. And this also includes just why you oppose the new rule. And you can also share a time you or a loved one face discrimination from a provider or insurer. And it says your story matters. And all comments will be submitted to and posted online by the Department of Health and Human Services. So please, again, check this out. Um, Also, share this information with friends as well. Uh, Shouldn't take more than a few minutes, and it can have a really big impact. So again, go to protecttranshealth.org. All right, so that's one thing. I'm going to check that off. Okay, next. And I don't necessarily have an order. Well, there will be an order, but uh, sometimes I segue from one. I like to keep it in the same... I guess the same... Pick perhaps, But we're just going to go down the list here because there's a lot to get to. And I want to make sure that we have time to get to as much as possible. This is another uh, signing petition thing, which will also take less than a couple minutes, if that. gente, uh, which is a really great organization to support if you go to action.mejente.net. And I've also posted a lot of these on our Facebook page. I know Facebook's so fucking evil. However, we have information that we're sharing there for the moment being. That's at facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. So please do check that out. And it's, to UC Berkeley, cut your ties to Palantir. And let's go down here, I'll read a little bit about this. Berkeley Law School must drop Palantir as a sponsor of its privacy conference, stop whitewashing a company that's mission-critical, in quotations, to ICE's deportation machine. Why is this important? Palantir Technologies is one of the three sponsors of the 2019 Annual Privacy Law Scholars Conference at UC Berkeley, a conference of privacy scholars from across the world that brings together computer scientists, economists, Economists, excuse me, uh, philosophers, political scientists, advocates, lawyers, and many others. Palantir, a Palo Alto data mining firm founded by Peter Thiel, has a contract with ICE that has aided in family separation by helping ICE arrest the parents and other relatives of children who cross the border alone. Palantir's contract has been called mission critical to ICE's efforts by government documents. We're asking that scholars from across the country denounce this partnership with Palantir, Academic conferences should not be sponsored by firms engaged in human rights abuses, as denounced by the United Nations and dozens of civil society organizations. That a conference focused on privacy is sponsored by a firm whose profits derive from the mass accumulation of personal data for sale to law enforcement agencies is patently absurd. So again, you can go, if you go to mihenteaction.mihente.net and also check out mihente online, they have a lot of great resources as well, so please do check out them for more information, donate to them as well. You sign this petition, um, let folks know, especially folks who are alumni of UC Berkeley, students, faculty, staff, please do let them know. Brings me to a positive note, um, UCSF recently decided they will not go further with... uh, Um, we're merging, merging with, uh, Dignity Health, which is like a Catholic health organization as there were fears that this would put the healthcare, there'd be the risks of healthcare. I should just slow down here for folks who need reproductive healthcare and queer folks, um, would be at risk by going into doing work with Dignity Health. So I'm going to read more information about that so I can feel like I can, give folks a better summary of what has happened but this is a, a positive thing too where people coming together and showing up in, in large numbers really does make a difference so i'm going to go pull this up right now and share this information because i think it's also important and also just ties into the uc system and who the folks are working with and who the people get money from and while we're talking about that and while i am looking for this email to share uh, there's a note now that's saying that uh, Twitter is now finally investigating as to whether or not they should allow Nazis on their platform as if they somehow and it reminds me of when police investigate themselves after someone's killed it's kind of like oh so now you're going to investigate yourselves even though you've been allowing this and people have been harassed and doxed it's fucking disgusting also just another point in terms of YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and a lot of these other big tech agencies that allow folks to be harmed uh, there's an article which I don't know if I'll get to today. Probably I'm not going to get to, but I do encourage folks to look it up, and I'll hopefully provide some information. If not, I'll provide a summary as far as my understanding goes. <laughs> and that's pretty much um, folks on YouTube get like harassed, and like it's pretty much that these tech companies don't go, they don't follow through their own policies in terms of lack of, you know, they they don't prohibit people from harassing. Other folks, so a lot of queer folks, a lot of women, a lot of POC folks. People get harassed based on who they are, and instead of banning or suspending the folks who do the harassing, uh, they are allowed to remain on the platform. And a lot of this, of course, is tied into money, where these companies, such as YouTube, they get more money the more people who engage with the content. And what, and as far as the extremism and folks present these really extremist, awful ideas, they are going to get a lot of folks who are. Going to, going to comment, going to show up in certain ways, and that means there's more ad revenue. So they're pretty much making money off of people harming one another, or threatening and or threatening harm to one another. And it reminds me a little bit of war too, where it's all about the money and they don't care who gets hurt as long as someone gets paid. So it's like another version of war to me in the 21st century. So I'm going to read a little bit of this email going back to UCSF, which is halted expanded affiliation with Dignity Health. And this is an email I received. Um, Your voices of opposition were heard on Tuesday. UCSF Chancellor Hawgood and UCSF Health CEO Mark Laret announced that UCSF will not continue to pursue the affiliation as it had been envisioned. And they have a a statement attached. Uh, They cited strong concerns from many stakeholders as a significant factor in driving this decision. We are pleased with this announcement and grateful for their leadership in affirming UCSF's commitment to women's... And I'm going to change that email because it should be people's reproductive health, as many trans men and non-binary folks also have reproductive health needs. So... A commitment to people's reproductive health, and the care of LGBTQ patients. We are thankful f- uh, for your support and action. Your engagement and commitment had a major impact on this decision. And there's a press coverage of the issue, which highlights the signatures to oppose the UCSF Dignity Affiliation, and that's linked to the LA Times from May 28th, San Francisco Chronicle, also from May 28th, and KHN, also from May 28th. And they have a list of the many organizations, medical societies, and politicians. Um, who wrote letters and voiced their concern and opposition. And it says, we are so grateful for their support and advocacy. And so that's uh, the first part of the email. Most of the info right there. So I wanted to also just celebrate the positive things of what happens and to remember that when we do speak up and come together, that change can happen and we can hold these really large institutions, which may want to cause harm, Uh, only because they can make money off it to to hold them accountable and to show up. So that's a positive thing. All right. That's great. So I wanted to check that off too. (laughs) It's a really, if you could see it, we don't have a a camera here in the studio, at least that goes and uh, shows us in the studio. However, I, I don't know if it's a, it's more of a talking head show. So I don't know how much you could add besides my facial expressions when I'm yelling or screaming about the news. I don't scream too much. And when I do, I turn the mic off. I sigh a lot, though. Okay, let's move along. A lot to get to. And let's see. Um, Okay, so the WHO has decided, thankfully, which is the World Health Organization, that uh, being transgender is no longer classified as a mental illness. And, of course, it should not be classified as a mental illness. So that's a positive thing. And I did want to note that they also added something else, which is that being overwhelmed is now uh, an illness, which I think is... Uh, it's just interesting to think about because of course being trans in this world does come with a lot of feelings of being overwhelmed due to transphobia and uh, it's just interesting. It's like, okay, so I'm no longer great. I'm glad that trans is no longer considered a mental illness. And also it's interesting that there's something else such as overwhelm, which many folks I know identify with and how that's come. That's like something else. So it's just an interesting It's it's interesting. I don't have too much else to say about it, but I wanted to comment on that and glad that now that that just being who we are as trans is not seen as an illness. That's it. Don't have anything else to add to that. (sighs) Okay. I've got more articles to get to, and I'm not sure how much we will get to. Oh my gosh. There's a lot. I'm reading down the list right now. And... Uh, there's a self-immolation in front of the White House that didn't get too much press coverage, but someone did set themselves on fire as a protest. So, wanting to make comment of that, Julian Assange, who has been, is now arrested. His health is not doing so well. Um, Chelsea Manning is still in jail, and this should concern folks. I mean, also the fact that there's millions of people in prison simply because they can't afford bail. Or for a number of other reasons, or the fact that they were somehow either selling or using um, something that's described as a drug, which could be very well a medicine, Uh, that's fucked up previous shows we've talked more about prison abolition and ways that folks can support prisoners so that's something else i want to add another action item uh, black and pink is a really cool organization and it shows ways it shows it's a way where you folks can get in touch write letters send books and artwork to folks who are incarcerated and of course different institutions have different barriers as to what you can send some say you can't send new books some institutions say you can't send old books some say you can't send books with a certain um material which actually might empower people who are incarcerated heaven forbid gross <sighs> okay But yes, go to Black and Pink, and that's another way where folks um, can, you can write to people, you can send them postcards. Um, Having uh, one way to show solidarity is super important. There's also lots of uh, different bail organizations where you can uh, send money to help folks bail folks out. There's also, like, even an an app for that, because we're living in that kind of timeline. Um, I'm just trying to go through as quickly as possible. Uh, to get to as much as possible. It's called bail block, and that's B-L-O-C. And if you install it on your computer, it's just something that, like, I'm not a tech person, so I don't know all the uh, information quite about it or how it works, but you install it on your computer, and it ends up raising funds for folks who are incarcerated. And it's something really small that you can do if folks have a computer and have access and the time to do that. That's another way. Um, There's another organization I want to look up right now, too, um, that was... Um, raising funds for uh, the National Bailout. And that's if you go to nationalbailout.org, and that's uh, we work with groups all over the country on Mother's Day to bail out as many black mamas and caregivers as we can, um, provide supportive services. So that's another thing that folks can do. And also uh, national, yes, nationalbailout.org, if you go there at any time, you can help support them. And that's another way if you have uh, time, money, um share it with folks, uh, another way to support folks who are incarcerated. (sighs) Okay. There's a lot. I mean, everything's also interconnected. So I hope folks, that's something else with the show that I've realized over time. And I learned so much more from, from doing this show and from listening to people and, uh, the information that folks put out and just trying to think about this and analyze what's happening and also just how connected everything is and how, Um, There are ways to show up for each other, and the more we do to show up for each other, the better off we'll be. (sighs) Okay, going to sigh for a moment. It's about 1229. I have a guest coming in very shortly. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break and play some music and get myself resettled. Oh, also the music we're playing. Today, I'll be featuring music from Felix Lee. And you can check out Felix's music if you go to soundcloud.com forward slash Felix-Lee-4. And that's F-E-L-I-X-L-E-E-4 on SoundCloud. So the first two songs we heard were All the Feels and Learning the Ropes. And next we have Old Friends Come Round Again. City Welcome back to Weekly Review and have a guest here joining me. So grateful that you can be here. Thank
1: you, Roman. I'm honored to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I feel awesome. free to introduce yourself.
1: Yes, that's... I'm Tina Dalia. I'm a Bay Area mixed race Latina, queer actor, solo performer, casting director, coach, and a newly programmed director of the Three Girls Theater Les Wright's BTQ program. So that's exciting. And I'm just Thrilled to be here at Mutiny Radio. Yeah. Thanks for
0: inviting me. Oh yeah, thanks for for being here. Yeah. Uh, I was really great working with you on your your show, and which was Overlooked Latinas, which was such a. Oh, I get very emotional, and just I can't recommend it highly enough. And just it was a really beautiful experience to to see that show so many times, and just like it was just so impactful and powerful and well done and funny, and like I cried and I laughed. It was one of those. Uh, I feel like language doesn't quite do it justice, but I just wanted to say like, I appreciate that that show so much and everything you did to make that happen.
1: Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and the hearts of all the many characters that I portray. <laughs> um, that show is such a, a labor of love that I've gotten to work on for several years with Mary Guzman, my director, who's also a queer Latina, and David Ford, my dramaturg, and It was amazing to bring you on because I felt like here we have this queer trans team Mm -hmm. of folks, which was so exciting that, that I feel like is, um, is, is, is even in a solo show, it can be really large. Like, uh, so Misha Tayemba doing the stage management Mm -hmm. for years and you running sound, which was amazing and being there, um, and creating new videos with Gwen Park, who's amazing, oh, yes, yes. and like, like co-writing with me, and then directing and then editing them, and all the graphics. So, uh, so much can go into just creating a show that I can't underscore enough for folks that are wanting to do shows out there and yes. tell stories, whether they whether you tell a, you know, a sort of true story, but it's also. Uh, fiction or you tell you know your own story or non or uh, nonfiction what whichever pathway there's no there's no one way to do a solo show um, and thank you for seeing the show being there all those nights because um it uh, it's an hour and 20 minutes of um, of marathon of being on stage mm-hmm. so it feels really amazing to feel held like I felt like that we were all really held by the Brava theater I'm so excited by all the people that get to go into the Brava and perform and when Mary Guzman and I walked in and said here's a show we want to bring I was so myself I literally was like um you know there was something that happened it was called an election in 2016 I'd like to bring hope for the future yeah um, I'd like to bring hope in the form of a queer telenovela farce, as Carolina Morales, the queer Latina consultant, uh, called it. Mm-hmm. She was just like, "This is a queer telenovela," and I was like, "Great, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote you." Um, and the Bravo's was like, "Great, yeah." You know, I, I thought uh, there'll be multifacets, there'll be serious moments, there'll be um, dramatic moments which is which is important in my work and um, the show being political. and I, I really wanted to like heal through humor and yes. heal through laughter. I, I wanted to give that to folks I needed that. I, 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 I wanted to give that as a gift. Um, I also am so influenced by screwball comedy and slapstick and uh, vaudeville and since I was a kid and sort of being introduced by my parents and old movies, so, I I felt, and like from the Marx Brothers to Tom Laird, mm-hmm. that I felt really strongly about um, wanting to give that, you know, so giving something that's really serious, but it also seems, you know, silly and fun and all at the same time. Um, so thank you, thank you for thank you for being part of the team yeah, of Overlook my, Latinas. My
0: pleasure. Yeah. So one, one of my questions was was about you know what inspired the show, and it seems like you've gotten to some of those some of that. I was curious if there is anything in terms of researching the the actors who are featured or mentioned in the play. If you could talk about that a little bit.
1: Yes, I'm so I'm so glad you said that. Um. So what inspired me to write Overlook Latinas mm-hmm. is. In my solo performance work, I like to blend part of history, her story, into the fictional worlds that I create. Mm-hmm. So, taking oftentimes um, whether it's sort of movie stars or you know actors, figures of the past, and bringing them forward, particularly um, ones that are not white. And particularly ones that are sort of in the Latinx spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I I was doing that with the Rita Hayworth show prior to this show, just to sort of talk about how she became this legendary movie star, but she was whitewashed through Hollywood and being this Spanish dancer that was transformed into this um, larger than life star. But that was actually not who she was as a person, mm-hmm. and she uh, um, ha- actually had a lot of a, a lot. To say about sort of um, uh, violence and misogyny and war and this idea of being a pinup, being put on bombs, being dropped in World Ooh. War II, having her image being um, dropped on Hiroshima—like she was just outraged yeah. by all of this—and had a brother who who fought in war and really talked about like war is an atrocity—and mm-hmm. um, and and she was sort of silenced in many ways and. Um, And I also, but I also feel like by researching her, I was able to sort of find where she was trying to have her voice, start her own film production company, working with a female choreographer to create her own dances and create sort of her own way of telling stories that that the lens was different. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, in the film uh, Affair in Trinidad, she talked about how... Versus the lens is looking, is a male lens that gazes at her. She wanted to sort of be this um, a woman that comes out with no shoes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a stage. And it's her power and sexuality and her sort of point of view sharing it outward. Yes. So, so I spent so many years. I mean, I'll be more specific. Since the 90s, um, when I lived in Boston... Kind of doing research on Rita Hayworth, who was born Margarita Cancino, um and doing solo performance. So, so while I was doing that, simultaneously, I was slowly sort of collecting like, who are the people that I should be following, and and who and and who's queer, and what's their backstory, and how long is it going to take to sort of um, unveil this, and what's all the chisme, and I I want to know when I want to bring it forth. So. Mm-hmm. While I was writing the Rita Hayworth of this generation, I kept figure f- feeling like, oh, I wonder if I could have these characters travel into the future, and um, I knew of I knew somewhat about Dolores del Río, mm-hmm. but not everything. Yeah, I knew some things about Ramón Navarro, but not everything. I didn't know a lot about Rosario Ribeletes, but I knew about Salt of the Earth, listed in the first film mm. that was did and. Uh, during the Red Scare and McCarthy era, and everyone was blacklisted in the film. Um, And I didn't, and I knew a little bit about Lupe Velez. Mm -hmm. Great. And then I started doing so much research, I'm like, oh, I can't put everybody into the show. (laughs) This is what happens, people, right? We start to fall in love with so many people. and So I'm, I'm sort of whittling it down, and I'm trying to figure out the title. I'm like, well, maybe I will focus on Latinas, even though the show will in some ways be about sort of Latinx characters, but I was was having to really make choices just on how to frame the solo show and then how to frame the the actual real people I was talking about. Yes. So Dolores Del Rio, I always knew there were these strong rumors that she was bisexual, Mm -hmm. which I was able to uncover, and I was very happy about that. And I knew, I did know, I mean, I would go back first to sort of everybody's Wikipedia, and then I would try to go back and read, Mm -hmm. and... Because I, I, um, I speak, you know, very little Spanish and a little bit in the show, but I primarily needed a bilingual Spanish-speaking person to be part of the team, which is why one of the reasons why I hired Carolina Morales to do that. And, and I sent her all these articles and these interviews that I knew there was more information. I'm like, I've been researching this person for years. I was like, tell me if this confirms that she... Uh, along with people like Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, were more socialist, were, cer- were certainly more um, progressive mm-hmm. and pro-labor yes. and pro-worker. And uh, on the other hand, she was, before she ever crossed over from the Mexican golden age of cinema into the United States, like Ramon Navarro, who, also, who were their cousins. Oh. So he's gay, I know. So they're cousins, he's gay, he never married, um, we'll get to Ramon, but um Dolores and Ramon did come from a certain class, mm-hmm. and so when Dolores uh was blacklisted by the United States and was um was re- denied her visa to enter into the country and the uh McCarthy era said um no you're you're um you're a communist or your your intentions are um to be um to be supporting international communism. Um there's a lot of information mainstream that will not reveal any of this. I mean like uh I went to Safagos, girl Girls goes to Hollywood Diane McLean and it like it it it, li- it listed, you know, I knew that she always had like a lot of an affair with Marlena Dietrich and Greta Garbo Greta Garbo, but this proved it People always knew she was with Frida Kahlo, but not the mainstream, which confirmed it. Mm-hmm. But who knew she had an affair with Billie Holiday? She flew down to Mexico while nice. she was, you know, quote unquote, like dating Orson Welles. She was just like, see ya. Um, but if you if 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 you go sort of onto YouTube and you find any sort of you know white, you know, I don't know sort of in, like only English speaking Americana person talking about Dolores, you'll never hear anything about her story and mm-hmm. she did work with people with with her friends here in the United States to sort of help her kind of come back um so she was in. so she was so I think she became in in some ways more out there when when she couldn't come back to the United States because Mm -hmm. a lot of her roles in Mexico Mm -hmm. then were sort of this uh, spectrum of um, kind of more like working class, in the fields, Mexican actress, and not just sort of the glamorous uh, Mexican actress. So uh, I I feel like her roles just became deeper and and her work became... um, uh, broader um, uh, uh, because she she was starting to make the crossover in in Hollywood and and, you know she was gonna be um, she was gonna start being with a big leading white men great so not great but there we go yeah Um, and by the time she came back here she played uh, Elvis Presley's grandmother Question mark? Huh. <laughs> because Elvis Presley was in a film, I know. Question mark of being mixed race? Interesting. Okay. I <laughs> the, you know there were times in film where they would take like a white star, and then they would be like, you know, I have a parent that's of color, but they're not saying that, and then I and then I've got this town that's all white. So, um, so. Interestingly enough, she Dolores was able to come back to the United States well before the twenty-five years later she was in a film in in um, in Hollywood. She did other work. Um, I, she did theater. I want to say also in Europe. I think she did some theater in the United States. So she was able to come back. Um, but as as far as kind of making it big on the. Screen again. It took a long time. Like I said, you know, now she was playing sort of "quote unquote" grandmother roles. She had a really long life mm-hmm. as an actor, which was amazing. She had the longest life of 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 any of the key people. Um, so Ramon Navarro, he's amazing because he was in the silent film like Dolores. He transferred over to talkies. Um, the studios tried to silence him mm-hmm. because he, of course, was having. Um, outrageously fabulous affairs with people like Valentino. Mm-hmm. And Valentino was the top, top billing, top name, top everything star. And um, they were really trying to sort of marry him off, give him a beard, um, putting money towards silencing him. But Ramon, I I just have such a heart for him because he never married, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, he never had a beard. Um, And he, so he was, he was big in Mexico. He was, he made a name for himself here and he, um, was living in Hollywood for a while. And there are, there are, um, there, there are films that reference the horrible death that he endured. And David Bowie writes a song that talks about his hate, hate, his uh, hate violence death, Mm um, I won't go into details about the case which is much more horrible than um than I than I want to get into however um like much like many like hate violence and hate crimes and that happens to queer and trans folks this would be called um uh this was sort of like a pickup crime yeah. except it was a pickup crime of um To white, straight men saying, you know, like, uh, um, yes, we'd love to come to your home for dinner and in your lavish home and eat your food and drink your alcohol. Um, Definitely with the intention of robbing him, Mm -hmm. um, but with the intention of uh, torturing him um, to death um, is what I believe. And part of the evidence that came out in the trial was... Um, the the instigator Paul called his girlfriend, and she could hear Ramon crying out for help and uh, um, pr- praying um, the uh, the Hail Mary in Spanish mm. and, uh, and and screaming out for help to the whoever was on the phone. Um, mm. So I think my my deep feelings of uh of 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 rage turned into around his case turned into really wanting to have people know who he is yes. because he was a trailblazer of his yes. time like n- no one made it that far as a latino gay man um from mexico to hollywood um And and trying to sort of maintain his his like his own sense of um, identity, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know I did there are there are documentaries I I did watch them, Um, I'd I'd love to know even more. I'm sure there's probably primarily first books written in in Spanish, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, Ramon you you know one can. uh, you know, rent his films. He, it was funny. Then there's all this crossover of the stars because then he was in this great film with Lupe Velez, mm-hmm. which was awesome. So I always say Lupe Velez is is like the Mexican Lucille Ball before there was ever Lucille Ball. Yeah, she was like brilliantly funny. Her timing was incredible, um, and her life uh, was cut the shortest. And I I feel like that's uh, why we don't know of her as much as we should. So mm-hmm. she. Also crossed over. She was part of the Mexicans' Golden Age of Cinema. Um, uh, you know, there's d- definitely she was so outraged by the racism she had to deal with in Hollywood that that um, she knew English really well and she did did interviews all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the white press would change her language to be like, "I said this and that," Ugh. and she right, and she's just like. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say that. She's like, she's like, like her. She was so. Um, she was, she. I feel like she had such a strong sense of self and Mm -hmm. so outspoken that. I feel like she wouldn't just be like, "Mm, I didn't say that. She. I feel like she's got this bite to her that would probably would have been something to the lines of like, I didn't fucking say. Yeah. (laughs) Like whatever. Like no, I didn't do that. Um. She. Um she had a uh, few marriages um and um i think i think it's it's a little unclear um it might have been a little unclear whom she was who she was impregnated by because mm-hmm. she um was very much in love with gary cooper um gary cooper's mother forbid her to marry him mm-hmm. um she was um she was dating and going to marry this other person um Harold at the time and um and there's all these lies about uh her suicide mm-hmm. that come through which has been you know revealed and and corrected even though the what is it called like the urban legends are still there mm-hmm. so she had um, she had a professional assistant who was also an actor, but she had a professional assistant that she worked with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lupe um, was pregnant. Harold says, I'm going to call off the marriage. Allegedly, he said, well, I could sort of save face and marry you even though I'm not in love and I'm sort of walking away. But I you know that's I leave that as a question mark. I'm like, mm, I'm not sure about that. Um to me, I feel like there was no room for her to be a single mom in Hollywood as Latina. Mm-hmm. And unlike women like Rita Hayworth, for instance, who had an affair with Howard Hughes. He helped her get an abortion in Europe. She's like, you can never let Orson Welles know he's against abortion, and mm. da, da, like all these things. Like, this is sort of the history of, you know, reproductive rights. Yeah, for the upper class, it's sort of like if you can afford, you know, this thing in quotes, abortion, yeah. you know, by a doctor, mm-hmm. hopefully safe and legal, um, then you'll have that. To, you'll have that. But if you know, you don't want an abortion, or you can't afford abortion, or you can't find somebody safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Lupe was was between a rock and a hard place. And I don't believe that she really wanted to commit suicide. Um, and yet I, I think she felt like that was her only way out. And the evidence was mm. she was trying to have a friend stay late with her overnight and mm-hmm. sleep over her house. And... Um, and her, the suicide note that she left sounded very, just uh, just very heartbroken yeah. about all of it and that, um, and that, you know, I, I think kind of in my heart, I wonder, you know, right, if times were different, I think that she would have wanted to have a uh, child. Mm-hmm. And I think she was, and, um, and who knows, she, she, she made it to such a high level, um, in her, in her career, and again, I'm going to emphasize she was so young, because she yeah. was in her thirties, um, uh, that, um, I, I do wonder if the shame and just the trashing of her, like, I wonder if it, if that would have sort of destroyed her, you mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to be, to be pregnant and have a child and what might have happened, um you know, sort of, who knows, and yet there is, um, yeah, there's, there's not, there's not many examples, so what happened was, um, she was found in her bed, which it seemed like that was her intention of, um, that she'd taken a ton of secondol, um, she was found in her bed by her assistant. Mm Um, and she even even the medical port, like she could have died even before she, even before she took every single last second all. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap, gonna wrap up the depressing part in a second here um, with the details. But um, what I import, I just want to underscore that so I think part of the racism and misogyny was um, that there's all these urban legends that she somehow made it to the bathroom. She made it to the toilet. She died with her head in the toilet. She died hitting her head. Um, she died in her, you know, trying to sort of throw up. And um, and the and uh, that's not how her assistant found her. Mm-hmm. And instead, they say it was a maid, and then they make up a maid's name. They a Latina maid, right? So, but it's um, so it's important to say all this just because I'm. I, I feel like you know, there's these people. These these. Folks' lives and their deaths. Yeah. Um, but every time I see Lupe in you know any clips on YouTube and her films, I just think I'm like, oh my god! Like, I I've believed that if she, had she lived longer, because it always takes it always takes the mainstream white audiences a l- longer time to yes. realize like, oh my gosh, this person of color is a star. Mm-hmm. This woman of color is a star. I I know that she would have been sort of kind of risen to this, like, higher level of, like, oh, my God, this comedy. She did imitations and, you know, lots of things that I just, that I was very tickled. Um, So, yes, last but not least. So, Rosario Rivaletes, to me, is fascinating because um, she was not coming from an upper class as an actor, uh, she had not done a lot of films at all. She'd done some films in a couple films in Mexico. Mm-hmm. To me, um, it just f- every time I sort of read about her, I just I I get the sense like she was she's always she was so always an actor, always an actor, a working person. Um, and her look ver- versus Dolores' look and Ramon's look and uh, Lupe's look, like to me they're just so gorgeous and glamorous. And Rosario's beauty is not a beauty that somebody would like plaster all over, you know, uh, billboards mm-hmm. to sort of sell things as glamorous. I think, I mean, she's, to me, she's strikingly beautiful. And, and I think that when she was cast in Salt of the Earth, it was an intention, it was intentional because we weren't going to be distracted by somebody that looked like um, uh, uh, Latina sort of uh, glamour lady. Mm-hmm. Instead, she was going to look like someone who um, who people could actually identify with yes. as being a migrant wife, mother, etc. Um, of a New Mexican migrant worker, um, and then her and then her trajectory in the film. So, so she was cast as the lead as as Esperanza Quintaro in um, in uh, Bieberman. I'm forgetting his first name. It's okay. Bieberman's uh, film, Salt of the Earth, uh-huh. um, 1949, 1950, came out around 1951, 52, um, in an area, and they say shot in an area in New Mexico intentionally because that's where migrant workers were, and mm-hmm. then they could hire migrant workers, New Mexicans, as extras, yeah. and that there were some of the actors were actually not actors. Mm-hmm. They were they were as they say in the industry real people. They were people that lived in the community. Yes. Um so there is some there is some unevenness with the acting and there's some acting that's really strong. Um I I kind of look past some of the uneven just because there was no film quite like it of its time, yeah. which which was this interesting trajectory of first Esperanza seems um like she's trapped, her husband is emotionally abusive, he's frustrated. What is he gonna do? The white man is making conditions impossible. The uh, Latino um, labor workers, minors are not, um, are under horrible conditions, um, they're not getting paid. And Esperanza, in her own relationship, but to kind of overthrow this uh, white supremacy, um organizes with all of the women all with all all the mothers mm-hmm. and their kids and starts having protests and even gets jailed and is still protesting while they're in jail they're willing to starve to make sure that their kids are fed mm-hmm. um and uh and even she even has a moment where she says to her husband she's like you know, we're going to have an organizer meeting at our house. You can be here, but you can't say anything. Like to me, it was really powerful yeah. as a, as a feminist film, too, because um because as opposed to sort of rejecting our husband who can't change, we see his evolution that he does mm-hmm. change, and that he's like, okay, like, and and that they're that they become bonded again in in love and and um and sort of united in resistance. but that, um the resistance uh, is led by um the women and there's this moment where they're in s- they're in circles mm-hmm. and they're clapping and they're singing solidarity forever solidarity
0: forever
1: and um And, you know, so through the years, I would go back to this film, and I have friends I know that, like, show the film in their classrooms in the Bay Area, which is awesome. And I saw, so during my long research, I was doing research on, you know, the Hollywood 12, you know, like, um, books on McCarthyism, videos, I went back to watching Salt of the Earth, you can watch it on YouTube, Mm -hmm. I went back to Salt of the Earth, so... Esperanza became suddenly this powerful lightning bolt because she was embodying in many ways, even physically, Mm -hmm. um, like what a, to me, what like a working class Latina, kind of revolutionary Mm -hmm. activist organizer um, is. Yes. um, As an actor. Yeah. Great. She never even got to finish every single scene in that film. Mm. So suddenly it, 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 uh, she's arrested. She goes to court. Mm -hmm. She's like, there's this ridiculous, no charge on her passport, uh, which is, which is how basically the U S government is going to, um, is going to deport her. Um, so they, they had to find a double to sort of, um, double up scenes. I'm, I'm kind of picturing it as a film person that, um, you know, scenes when they needed her, sort of her, physical presence mm-hmm. um they had someone else um instead of instead of uh rosaria um not saying her lines thank goodness <laughs> right <laughs> not saying her lines thank goodness but um but there was somebody else uh there was somebody else in her place um so they lie about the passport that there's something wrong they say she's violated her passport, we have to arrest you, she's deported. And you know, you you will see, even if you go to even if you just go to Wikipedia, like what Dolores Del Rio said, you know, um, you know, I cheer for world peace, mm-hmm. what Rosaria said when she was like, Wow, so because of my role and the dignity of my role like because of my role in a film, mm-hmm. you're like kind of you're literally, you know, deporting me. You're literally censoring, blacklisting. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh um you know sort of like this you know the witch ha- the witch hunt that we don't hear about all the time during the red scare and um the mccarthy era is you know right so how was it affecting immigrants mm-hmm. um uh because a lot of times we focus on how it affected um uh a lot of great political and progressive and liberal um white folks mm-hmm. that were you know writers and thinkers and yes um and so forth, but it also affected other folks too. Yeah. And I, I want to say, like from you know Lena Horn to Langston Hughes to um, to uh, I'm I'm seeing his his like last. Like Paul Robeson. M- Paul Robeson and Wright, Native Son and oh Richard Wright, Richard Wright. So there was you know so. Um, and 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 then there was sort of a second tier list, mm-hmm. which was a film by a gay Russian man whose name I forgot, who had like homoeroticism in his films. Mm. Uh, somebody somebody will call in and remember, but anyone that even went to see his film, it called uh, "Viva Viva Mexico." Mm-hmm. So he was so influenced by the Mexican Revolution that he came to uh, that he came to Mexico to make this really interesting film that you can also see on YouTube viva viva mexico and um and uh, Ramon and Lupe were on the list of watching that film so you know when when activists you know I mean, have been saying it since the beginning of time. But when activists have been saying since the turn of a century, like you know, they're watching us, they're clocking us. When thinkers, mm-hmm. when you know, any educators, yes. etc., you know, um, uh, you know, we have to watch our back. Like. Uh, uh, every like this was this was why it was so great to do so many years of of research on mm-hmm. this because every layer I'd go and I'd go, "Oh, okay, maybe they're not on the blacklist, but this happened here." And I go, "Oh my gosh, there's somebody else here." And the same thing too when I would be like, "Who is having an affair with who?" I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, there was this other woman, Mercedes Acosta, that mm-hmm. was having an affair and you know, and I was still trying to figure out. I was like, "Was Maria Felix really bisexual?" You know, so there were many, you know, many great tangents, but um uh, so Rosaria goes back to Mexico um, after being arrested, found guilty of no crime, deported, and um, the star of a great film. France gives her an award, a Best Actress Award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I know this sort of happens in history at times, you know, some other country that, you know, that particularly some, you know, folks of color and queer folks of color, you know, flee to, um, to have a career. Mm -hmm. So she gets an award from France. Um, uh, The film is, you know, is is soon going to get banned, but she uh, comes back to sort of work and the Mexican government bans her from ever working in film again. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to picture like here, here she is, like, yeah. So, yeah, 1951. Okay, hmm. So what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so she was given work by Bertolt Brecht. Thank goodness mm-hmm. to go work in theater in Germany in Berlin at the time um, in the early 50s, and that's and that's where she went. And she went. She was there for a long time. And later, when she went back to Mexico. I, I loved it. It seemed very sort of how I kind of pictured um Rosaria like she taught yoga when she was older. She mm-hmm. was involved in the arts. She did some theater. Um uh, she was she was married, um I don't remember if she was married more than once, but she was married to a man and um and had a child and um and Never that I can find recorded anywhere every return to United States. Mm. Though I'd be curious if she ever wanted to when she was much older.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, even to see if she could sort of reunite with any of her old comrades. But um, I, you know, I, I'm still looking for that uncovered interview with her. You mm-hmm. know, like that, you know, I'm still looking for that story. Um, um, uh, th- 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 you know, many stories about like, what what was really everything that went down? Yes. Um, that was, those were long answers, but I'm really grateful I could talk about all this. Yeah. Just because, you know, sometimes in art, um, artists can be really frustrated. Like, oh my God, yes. this is taking so long. Yes. I just say, if you are working on a project, and especially if you're doing research, mm-hmm. that sometimes time is our friend. Yeah. And, there were moments where I thought, okay, what if I just pulled together a really small budget and if there was an area that I didn't have time to research in, like mm-hmm. say, say you didn't have time to like, you know, read, you know, 20 books mm-hmm. <laughs> while you were yeah. writing and working, you know, hire somebody to also be part of your team. Yes. Um. So what I was doing during the time that I would write and pause and write in part and and, um, and pause was, um, you know, I'd, I'd go to the library, I'd look at, I'd, I'd, read some books. I'd watch some movies. I'd go onto YouTube. I hired my consultant. So, um, so in the show, I, I highlight those, I highlight those, uh, four Mexican actors. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, and again, there's so many people, There's yeah. so many people, um, that, I could have done even more research on and and shared about. Um, I will say it was really fun to read. Uh, Girls, Sappho goes to Hollywood because it's a really thick book, mm-hmm. and it started. Uh, so that was another thing for those of you that don't know about the sewing circle. So Dolores del Río and her husband mm-hmm. sometimes hosted the sewing circle. I think her husband was quite used to. Um, she had. She was married a couple of times. I think she was quite used to. Um, her. Girlfriends and her, the folks that she dated, mm-hmm. um, which is also stated in the book. But um, Diane McLean, I, I was, I'm so curious about how she did all of her research because yes. she goes back to sort of almost even before 1920 to the 50s, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there's 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 yeah, interesting crossover. I mean, always with history and politics and her story and. and all of that. Um, but uh, um, yes, so the sewing circle, a place in Hollywood where lesbian and queer and bi women got to meet and get to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and um, and I wanted to also include more about the lavender scare in my show. And I knew yeah. there wouldn't be enough time because yeah. I'm so curious as to what was that the that I believe that the lavender scare was always there as part of the red scare. Yes, you know, working hand in hand. Yeah, it's just, you know, what were again what were the seeds and and um, and uh, you know, yes, m- more you know more more to be more to be revealed more yeah. to be researched, but um, I love. Roman I love research. Yeah. And and I, I you know some for so many artists, you know, it um, some sometimes the research has to stop at some point. Sure. Um but it is something I'm very excited about.
0: Yeah. I think as a, as a queer person, I think it's just so important to understand what we specifically were not taught about when we were younger yeah. or what was even suppressed consciously, either in schools or through media, through education, through whatever means. And it's really extremely validating, especially to see art that really shows folks being visible and this understanding of, oh, yeah, of course, we've always been around forever. Yeah. And also, it's just it feels really, I think, fulfilling is one of the words I was looking for, too, mm-hmm. just to see how queer folks have always existed in this world, and also what folks have combated against. Yep.
1: Yes. Um, and I I feel like uh Maybe this is true for so many of us. I certainly feel like I'm here because of you know, sort of like all of the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I'm here for like all of the trailblazers. Yes. Everyone yeah. that that um, forged these paths. Mm-hmm. And what can happen? I mean, now I'm kind of as a sharing in our 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 union uh, sag af, after actor ness. Yeah, actor-ness. yeah. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> actor Yay. Yay. Um, that. Uh, A lot of times what is sort of um, the story that is told is like, if you make it in the union, then you can be like these great actors that are white and you can be, you know, these, you know, be part of this great community of actors that are white, you know, and and yes, like we're forging ahead, making sure um, that there's space um, and stories by, you know, queer, trans, non-binary, you know, LGBTQ folks, people of color, immigrants, folks with disabilities in our union, and a lot of times, um, and this was true for me growing up, a lot of times, you know, when we we as union actors hear like, oh, those movies back in the day were fabulous, those old movies, a lot of times, you know, there's so many people being left out, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, or maybe there's a walk-on role, and, and then it's also really dismal too, because... Um, right? Th- th- then what's being offered is roles and um, and, and then yeah. that was a lot of times intersecting. I feel like so many things, for instance, um, I do have a character who feels she's the Lena Horn of this generation. <laughs> yes. And I feel like you know, all this research I was doing on Lena Horn, which is fun and great and also uh, s- saddening and, and 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 frustrating too, is, like where her career could have taken off because of white supremacy and racism mm-hmm. and her being blacklisted. And so for a lot of folks, what happened um, and being, you know, and dealing with so much um, racism and misogyny in Hollywood, a lot of times folks that were like Lena Horne would transfer over to the stage mm-hmm. to sing. Mm. And then also if they were getting blacklisted um, and the work that they were uh they were trying to do, or the people they were trying to work with. So, if a writer or director was even the slightest bit liberal, if yes. they were in the hot seat, then you know, then there's there's the artist of color trying to look for work, and then they're like, okay, oh, okay, somebody's going to give me a gig, you know, in another city to mm-hmm. go sing on the stage over here. Um, and and all the great civil rights uh, work that Lena Horne is doing. There's an awesome interview in the '70s that feels so. 70s to me, like the music, yeah. the feel, the tempo. And there's this young woman of color with an Afro. And she's like, you know, so tell me why, you know, you're like free, you know, tell, you know, tell me your thoughts as far as like free Angela Davis. Mm-hmm. And Lena Horne is there. And she's like, well, I just believe in the work that she's doing, you know, in the work in the Black Panther Party. And let me tell you what it was like. And let me tell you my thoughts. And um, so good to see this. Um, because I'm talking about some people that were certainly older than Lena Horn at the time. Um, I'm grateful that Lena Horn lived a long life because, my God, she was doing so many great things and yet also was having to deal with, you know, she was just having to deal with so much racism. Um, and... Um, and I want people to see that um that, yes, Hollywood is also, e- even if they're gonna, you know, hold up certain people as those that made it, mm-hmm. are never going to show, you know, who they really are and all their complexities sure. and um and their voices and what they believe in and um how, what their stances are. And so it's very, yeah, so it's very exciting for me to be able to be like,, um, how can I also think about? Uh, like my car- character Carmelita has always I've always made I've always um, described her uh, had, having more of a similar background than me being Mexican and Italian mm-hmm. being mixed race Latina and femme um, so because I don't want to just tell the story of the performer on stage or the Hollywood star um, as talented as and. Uh, and amazing as their work is as performers that I want to you know certainly put that across but i I want to very much tell this you know many different parts of people's lives yeah because um that's what's speaking to me and I and I'm thinking oh oh okay like you were you were the one that helped pa you were all the ones that helped pave the road for me and so mm-hmm. many of us and, maybe, and we just didn't know it um and that was part of Back going back to living in Boston in the '90s, I was like, "No, there's all these people before us that um, that were that were making this possible, and we're trying to navigate, you know, n- navigate roads and pathways." Um, and if we don't share it with the world, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't share who the you know, Mexican bisexual actor. You know, multiple. You know, uh, uh, you know, full complex, interesting person. You know, active in in theater. Um, you know, the gay Latino out. You know, Mexican star for so long. Um, like no, yes, no one else is going to tell those stories. Yes. Um, and. uh yeah, and, and and yeah, and it 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 does kind of strike me when when people do do say they don't really know what the um, if they don't know what the McCarthy era is, you know, or when you know the mainstream media throws around the term witch trial, yeah, and which, uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. and then I'm like, uh, um, or when. Folks don't have a sense of like, uh, you know, well, real censorship will never happen here, or you know, oh, you know, or, yeah. or us artists will never get censored here, or we'll never get, you know, that won't happen here. So I don't, I, you know, I'm
0: like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, or, uh, or the for for me, it's when folks call Hollywood leftist, and I'm like, you realize that how many like pro military and pro cop films and productions there are on a constant basis, and how much. We've been taught to believe, oh, the state's here to protect us. And when I even see like casting calls, and it's for a soldier or a cop, or sometimes even casting real cops, which is a whole other, I won't even get into that here, but it's just like it's very much um, as opposed to, I I think also, how about what if there hadn't been the blacklist in Hollywood, and we had seen more and more films and messages about cooperation, for instance, and how that would have changed folks, just families going to the movies, and how like these messages would have gone across to millions of people and how things could be different now.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I I really appreciate what you're saying. Um, and I'm really feeling it. Because uh, I, I, I find it so disturbing and distressing that, I, that every time there's a story that... Um, that kind of reveals something that's, you know, about our humanity, I feel like there's a way that people start, you know, they start to sort of come together and are like, oh, yeah, I I really want to, you know, I really want to hear this story. I really want to be a part of it. I want to be connected. Um, And I uh, could not agree with um, uh, my friend, Shauna Virago, um, more by when she said one time, like, what would happen if that... 350 billion dollar film like if there's no more if there's no more films like that meaning mm-hmm. you know big explosion you know that that um, there's a cap because that money could actually go to changing our communities right. making them better and that that and you know so that entertainment has a different purpose mm-hmm. and so I'm sort of you know hybriding that with what you're saying such as so of sort of explosions and militarizing and um the violence. And the violence yeah. um, and this, this idea of like 35, you know, million, I'm thinking, right, like who, who could we feed and right. educate and house right, right. and like, and then, you know, and then tell stories in a very um, payable wage mm-hmm. that doesn't involve, that, that, that doesn't involve, you know, another sort of uh, explosion and more sure. trauma. Um yeah, I could I could not agree more. Um, it was really moving to perform some of my characters to kindergartners and first graders oh. at Hilltop Middle School, um, because my friends Sarah Corda and Maria Bro, um, moms of their daughter that goes to school there, brought me in, and so I changed a few things around sure. j- uh, just so that it would be like you know. You know the the problem. You know, like this is a problem. It's as big as the Death Star. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's kind of like it's a it's a this story is is confusing. It's it's got a a, a strange arc, like Toy Story Eight. There's no Toy Story Eight. I, I've never heard of it. Th- 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 four <laughs> is coming up. Oh yeah, Four is coming out. See, the the kids know the Four is coming out pretty soon. And the kids are even yelling out. They're like, Bill Moskowitz should call them kiddos. <laughs> kiddos, that's good. <laughs> Any rate. My God, like to like to to see what you know. If you want to know what the masses love, I'm like, go talk to kindergartners and first graders, <laughs> right? Like characters and changing characters and telling stories mm-hmm. and like um, and and, uh, and finding you know truth and and humor. And then we are all doing it together. I'm like, we can all do it together. We can all create three characters and three different sounds. And they have three different responses. You know, and so then suddenly they're they're like, "Ah, oh, this is how you change character, Tina." Yeah, we're going to do it together so I can show you, which is really fun. Um uh right? Like I like that's what I'm like inv- right, investing our time, our energy, our money there.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> The,
0: the solutions are there the solutions are I think are that's what's so frustrating is yes. that it's not like oh we don't know what to do and also just you know when you're talking about folks who for decades have been talking about how to look out for each other and mentioning yeah. Angela Davis and like folks who have been advocating for for decades yes. about how to and then beyond that like knowing that folks have been fighting for centuries right. just to exist in peace mm. and I think that's what for me feels really frustrating is that we have the answers here as to how we can better support one another And it's how do we get these messages out to folks who don't know or don't want to believe it? And I think that's where art comes in, and that's a really—it's a storytelling is such a powerful tool.
1: Absolutely, such a powerful tool. Um, And um, and, and speaking of—and speaking of Shauna, when I'm thinking of film festivals, um, yes, there's still an open call for folks that want to submit their films. um, So trans and non-binary queer filmmaker folks. And then just in a few weekends, it's always the second weekend in June, a few blocks away at the Brava Theater, is the Queer Women of Color Film Festival. Oh, yes, yes. That's free. That um that I love. I always give donations. They get lots of donations. There's mm-hmm. food for everybody. There's childcare. Like um there's there is there is so many ways to support, you know, non militaristic yes. <laughs> you know, sort of violence and, you know, like more sort of pts trauma um uh you know I, as i kind of call it the 100 million white man march film <laughs> that's, what I, that's what i always call it i'm like yeah. we, we don't have to do that we can put our time and our energy and our money into so many other things i mean yes. great right, um i'm blessed to be part of the national queer Arts festival oh yes if, if people go on to you know online You'll see things almost every single day going mm-hmm. on that, that is fabulous, that is happening. um, Yeah, like, uh, one of my... I have so many influences. One of my influences from back in Boston is this amazing butch um, uh, Mexican uh, comedian, Sandra Valls from L.A. She'll also be at the Bravo on June third, uh, 4th, mm-hmm. the day before I'm on stage, June 5th. Um, any rate, so, yes, so many um so 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 many, so many variety of influences but um yeah putting our time our energy our money right like yes we uh we have all the ideas yes we we have all the ideas and they're they're all there um and I'll, and that's why um I'll plug again if you are listening and you are a LGBTQ lbt excuse me q um Playwriter, solo performer, Mm -hmm. definitely look in June for Three Girls Theater Company for the call that is going out if you are interested in submitting your work. yes. Um, So, yes, I also feel like I have to always say this um, as a solo performer. There was two queer women of color that I was inspired by in the 90s mm-hmm. in solo performance. Yes. And the first was um, in 1993, I was at the theater offensive that's still thriving in Boston that does great work. I know, the theater offensive, right? LGBTQ theater offensive. Fabulous. Um, in Boston that I love and that has um, a thriving queer, um, trans, youth of color program, mm-hmm. true colors program. Um, I saw Pamela Sneed, who's this African-American, queer, solo performer, writer, actor from New York Uh in 1993. And I was so blown away. I was just so taken aback. I'm like, this work is brilliant. I was like, this is what I want to do. And then in 1994, I got to interview for the gay magazine... um, and meet Marga Gomez, yes. who is doing Pretty, Witty, and Gay mm. So um, in 1994. So uh, of course, uh, through the years in the Bay Area, I've gotten to see Marga's work, which has totally influenced my work. Um, I think uh, a lot of times her characters really influenced me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Knowing so many wonderful solo performers and storytellers that have come through the marsh, mm-hmm. which I love, um, Really helped me find the right space for me to develop my work with David Ford and all the people I get to be in class with, and and actually every time I go see something like a few weeks ago I went to a Monday Night March so there was so much great stuff so um so I'm honored to be a rising star performer yeah. next Wednesday June 5th doors open at seven show starts at seven thirty it's fifteen dollars um one night only. Uh, I'm re- I'm really excited. Um,
0: yes. <sighs> thank you so much for for sharing that. Thank, thank As, you so much, Roman. Yeah.
1: <sighs> <sighs> yeah. It's it's. Grateful to be able to yeah. sit down and talk to you yeah, about likewise. all of this.
0: Likewise, it's a blessing, and Thank it's a you. it's a lot to think about too. And For sure. Yeah. Is there anything else? I know you've plugged quite a bit, but sure. is there anything else you wanted to to speak about or um, um, share before we go?
1: Sure. Just that. Um, just that. There's so many great things going on um, in the month of June here mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Um, so you know going out to the National Quarts Festival yeah, and, and Fresh Meat. And Fresh Meat yeah. Festival and um and Queer Rebels mm-hmm. and um Frameline Film Festival. And yes, go to the Queer of Color
0: Women Film, oh, Film yes. Festival. Oh yeah, yeah, Nava Ma will be a guest on the show on <gasps> June fourteenth. That's great. Let's talk about waking Hour. That's
1: excellent. So, That's great. Yeah yay, waking hour. Yes. Um so um and then yes, and then come on out to the Trans March and Dyke March and Pride and um and I, I, I'm thinking about it as far as sort of, um, you know, coming out for myself, coming out to support other people, mm-hmm. coming out and thinking about other people. Yeah, you know, why am I coming out there? You know, sort of, how how am I how am I showing up? Right. If you you know, if you can show up, um, and you can be out there. Yeah. Um. So. And for youth as
0: well. And I for think, youth, yeah. yes.
1: Like I, I just I feel like, um, I feel like. Every time I meet somebody who's younger than me and who has questions about like, oh, I didn't know about sort of part of our legacy or our history, her story, I feel like, oh, okay, this is another reason why I'm like, why I'm showing up. Mm -hmm. And then I love being able to, you know, if you're like, I can't see performances right now. I gotta save my pennies. I understand your pennies, your dollars, you know, paying your rent. That's why it's come out to these stages. They're free, Mm -hmm. support people on the stage. You know, if yeah. you can give a dollar to donate, give a dollar. Great.
0: Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank is there, you, a, uh, I believe you have a website if you'd like to About sure. that too. So,
1: um, so my solo performer actor website is dot www.tinadelia.com And then when folks contact me about um, queer, trans, diversity casting, it's com. Great. And thank you, Roman, for this brilliant, beautiful opportunity. You are just a blessing. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Tina, for being here. Aw. Well, we're going to take a bit of a music break, and uh, we'll be wrapping up. So please stay tuned.